Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. Amen. It's always good to, to have ma- multifaceted um, approaches on a Sunday morning. Just, you know, God moves and works through individual lives in a very unique way. And so when we hear from multiple people, we hear multiple aspects of what God wants to say and do uh, in our hearts, in our lives on a Sunday morning. Amen? And don't you know that we gather for him? Amen? We gather for him to encounter him, to encounter his presence, to encounter his word, his life, his joy, what he would speak to us. And uh, I so appreciate, you know, the last two Sundays when we had Yo Ephraim here, uh, and he was talking, uh, he was preaching about dealing with God in reality and not trying to escape reality, but actually dealing with God in the reality of our lives, the reality of what we walk through in our seasons, and that God wants to join us in those seasons and join us as we walk with him, that we grow in faith and trusting in him. You know, the, the scripture in Psalms chapter 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Befriend faithfulness. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So learning to do that in every season is part of the journey of walking with God in our lives. I so appreciate also what Juan Pablo shared last Sunday in dealing with cleansing of conscience and allowing God to wash us clean and and make us free and break us free and break down walls. And so uh, I just, I appreciate what God is doing here so much and am excited for what he will continue to do even as we go on sabbatical and uh, just what God's going to continue to do here. We have a great team. How many of you know we have a great team here at Newport Church? We have a great elders team. Yes. Uh, We can do better than that. Come on. We have a great elders team, we have a great pastoral team and staff team, so this, uh, we really appreciate and honor them, and so uh, we know that everything is in good hands here. Um, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, that's where we're going to start this morning, and as you turn there, I'm going to just uh, pray. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that this morning we have an opportunity to come and to sit at your feet this morning as our teacher. And as the one who guides us in truth and guides us in life. And so we thank you for the word of God that you have spoken through the Bible. And we thank you, God, that you apply it to our lives in special ways today. God, that we recognize what you're speaking and and revealing over each life, every person here today. I thank you that there are nuggets, there are there is truth, there is life for every person here today. And God, I pray that not one person would leave this place unchanged by encountering your word and your presence in the name of Jesus Christ. We honor you today, God. We bless you. We thank you for all that you have in store. And everyone said, amen. 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 So, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, we're just going to jump right in here. The writer of Proverbs here, he's writing to King Solomon, he says, keep your heart with all vigilance. The the title of my sermon this morning is Guard Your Heart, and if you want to follow along in the church app, you can, 
all of these notes, and uh, sometimes we just put scripture in there, sometimes we put a little more in there. This morning, there's a little more. Tell your neighbor, say a little more. All right, so some of the, the things that I really want us to remember as we are looking at, at what God is speaking through his word uh, are in the, the, the notes there as well. So you have that, that, you have access to that at the church app. But keep your heart or guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. So the writer of Proverbs here, he's telling Solomon, he's saying, listen, guard your heart and guard it with the intensity, all the intensity and the intentionality that you possibly can. Like um, in those days, so, so that word guard there is literally like guarding a prison or guarding the, the, the treasury. It was, it was really important. And in those days, if you failed as a guard, you were <laughs> like your life depended on your job to be a good guard, right? And in the same way here, what's being said is, listen, guard your heart. Guard your heart because from out of it flows the springs of life. In other words, your life depends on your ability to guard your heart. Your life depends on your ability to guard your heart. And so when we see this, because uh, what we allow to impact our hearts, what we allow to influence our hearts has a high degree of impact on our life and the experiences that we actually encounter in life. And so there's a place where we can actually aim our hearts in God. It's like, we, you know, we worshiped this morning, we, we sang the, the worship songs uh, that we had this morning, and how many of you have ever sung some of those songs before, Right? Well, there's, there, it's actually a choice. It's actually an intentionality to say, I'm going to sing this song again that I've sung a thousand times, right, or a hundred times, but I'm going to choose to place myself, to posture my heart in a fresh way to the Lord. So you can either say like, well, let your kingdom come, you know, like, or you can be like, God. Today in my life, let your kingdom come. And it's, it, what is it? It's just the difference of the posture of the heart. By saying, God, I, I choose to engage my heart to you. I choose to engage in this season where I currently stand. God, I need your revelation. I need your, your righteousness, the peace, and the joy of God, which is the kingdom of God. I need, I need that in my life right here, right now. I need that to influence and impact me. And that has to do with how we posture our hearts. So we can, we can you know, in the same way, what we do is we actually allow or disallow things to impact our hearts, the importance of keeping a godly perspective, a godly and positive inner world based on God's truth and based on God's vision cannot be under, you know, undersold. How many of you recognize that many times we do not see the world as it is? We see the world as we are. So if we're negative, grumpy, and this week's been terrible and ah. You know, well, guess, guess what? You're probably going to have a negative, grumpy, and terrible day. Why? Because is the world really negative, grumpy, and terrible? Sometimes, maybe. <laughs> you know? But not always. Not always. Most of the time, it's because of the lenses that we 
look through, how we posture our hearts. And so what happens is when the importance of keeping a godly and positive inner world, and this is what I'm going after this morning, this is what I want to preach about this morning, is, is how to keep a godly and a positive inner world that inside of our hearts, no matter what happens, no matter what the enemy throws at us, no matter what life throws at us, being able to say and to, to see what God is doing and what God is, is saying and choosing to posture our hearts in accordance with that word. So Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says this. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So he's writing, and, he, and what is he saying? He's saying, be intentional. Tell your neighbor, say, be intentional. Be intentional, that's right, to think about what is pure, to think about what is lovely, to think about what is true, to think about what is wholesome, to think about what is life-giving. Be intentional to posture your heart, to, 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 to uh, aim the thoughts of your heart to think about God's life. And I'm not, what, what, what I'm not saying is just be positive. I mean, there's some, you know, aspects that, that that's great. It's, but it's more than just being positive. You, you get that? It's more than just being like, oh, I choose to like be positive. And, and, and that's okay. But that, like you can be, how many of you know that that doesn't always work? <laughs> All right. But what we're saying is we're saying to get God's perspective. So that's like, like a, 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 a prayerful perspective. Like, God, I, I want to sit with you. I want to hear what you're speaking over my marriage. The word about God healing marriages today, right? Like a lot of this, a lot of this kind of stuff works out, and we're going to talk about, about it a little bit. A lot of this stuff works out in personal relationships, interpersonal relationships. And the way we work with other people is we, uh, you know, this, this type of, of work really affects that. And so it's good, it's good to, to have a positive outlook, but even more than that, it's good to sit and prayerfully say, God, what is your perspective over my marriage? What is your perspective over my boss? What is your perspective over my job? What is your perspective over my church? What is your perspective over my life group? What is your perspective over my employees? What is your perspective? And actually sit and hear God's heart on those things. Like, God, when you dream about them, what do you dream? God, I, I want a picture. I need to be able to dream with you. Because in my own, I don't know about you, but like in my own uh, mind, I can go negative really quick. I mean, just being honest. <laughs> Some of you know me, you're like, yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, it's really easy to go negative, isn't it? In the world today, and with, when the enemy comes at you, it's really easy to go negative. It's really easy to go negative when you're frustrated or upset at, at, at somebody in your life. And so it takes intentionality to say, God, what is your heart concerning these areas of my life, and then choosing to believe that. So what is your heart for my children, God? 
And then, Lord, I choose to believe what you say about them. Even if I don't yet see it, I choose to believe what you speak, what your life is, what your dream is over them. And so, and what that does is it starts to posture our hearts differently. It starts to direct our hearts differently because what happens is when we get those kind of internal beliefs right, it affects the words that come out of our mouth. Have you ever tried to honor somebody you're really upset with? And you're like, I don't, you know, like, you know, like it's, it's hard to come up with something positive when you're upset. Why? Not because there aren't positive things, but it's the posture of our hearts. It's the posture of our heart. And so what happens is when we change the posture of our heart into accordance with God's word, and this is the battles that happen in our mind. I mean, Joyce Myers talks about like the battlefield of the mind. This is what we're talking about. The mental warfare, the spiritual warfare that goes on in our lives. When we change the posture of our heart to come into agreement and alignment with God's word, over people and over our, our life and our circumstances, what happens is our words begin to change. And we actually release faith for things to happen that God desires to see happen. And so this is what the writer of, of, of Proverbs is speaking about here is he's, he's writing and saying, you know, Solomon's writing and saying, we must guard our hearts. What are, thing, what are things that you think we need to guard our hearts from? When Solomon writes this, what are are things that we need to guard our hearts from? I think the biggest thing, one of the biggest things is is offense. Guarding our hearts from offense. So we can be offended by a situation that happens, but then we choose whether or not to like embrace that offense. Do you recognize that? Like we choose whether or not to walk out of that and be like, well, that person was so, and then, then what happens if we're not careful is we start to position our heart in a place of distance instead of connection. And we don't fight for connection, we actually start to fight for distance. And we're not talking about like putting down healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries are good, but, but healthy boundaries are there to reinforce connection, not reinforce distance. And so what happens is we, we wind up fighting battles when we, when we allow the posture of our heart to change towards somebody, when we allow the posture of our heart to change towards God. And so when offense happens, one of the biggest things to guard against is offense. Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, Jesus tells us, he says, and then he's talking about the last days, and he says, and then many will be offended, and they'll betray one another and hate one another. Why? Be- offense drives that. That inner turmoil. Proverbs 18, verse 19 to 21 says, A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. <laughs> Anyone ever grow up with, a, with, a, with a, a brother or sister, you know, who you've offended or they've offended you? And it's like, no matter what you do, no. <laughs> you know, <"Ugh." laughs> I, no, I just refuse. Like, and they can be the most plausible person at the moment. And you can be like, no. <laughs> you know, like, I've had it. I'm done. Because offense gets in their heart, gets in your heart, all right? Then a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle from the fruit of a man. And it goes right in. This is how it's tied together with the words that we speak is that, the, you know, the, the offense of the heart becomes what it is that we wind up speaking about. 
And verse uh, 20 here says, the, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Wow. Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. So we're, we're, just pause there for a second. So you get the picture here. We're not talking about, we, we've been dealing with this inner world here for a while. I feel like God's like allowing us to really kind of go into this space where if we have things in our hearts, in the, in the thoughts of our hearts, it's different than the thoughts of our mind. It's different than just like the logical A plus B equals C. No, no, this is, this is the, the thoughts of our hearts. What springs out of our hearts? What, what comes up in our hearts when we deal with certain people? Maybe certain circumstances cause things to be provoked in our hearts. We're talking about that. Amen? We're going for that this morning. Because this is actually what causes life to prosper or not. This is act- these things actually cause success or not. These things actually cause, uh, cause healthy relationships or not. It's the, the posture of our hearts in dealing with our heart. Matthew chapter 18 verse 7 says, Woe, this is Jesus speaking. He says, woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. Wouldn't it be great if we just would never get offended by anything? Like, ha, there's no, no, you know, that, and that's, we want to create safe spaces in the world today. You know, like, oh, we're safe. We, we're never offended by anything. It's not possible. Newsflash. It's not possible to never be offended. It's just not possible. Because we're all humans. <laughs> and at some point, you will be offended if you live with any other human. At some point, you're going to be offended with yourself. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I was there, right? Because there's this, it's just natural. It's just part of who we are as mankind. And, and Jesus says this, but woe for offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom the offense comes. What do you think Jesus means by that when he says offenses must come? I don't know, but I think maybe it's, it's kind of like, well, hey, it's a test. Like offenses are going to come, right? It, it, it will happen. If it hasn't happened yet, it will happen, right? That, that, that comes. But there is this place where because we know it, we can actually guard our hearts against offense. We can guard our hearts against offense. The word offense in Greek is the word scandalon. What does that sound like? Scandal. Right? A scandalon, but it, it literally means a trap stick or like a bent sapling, and specifically a snare and the movable stick or the trigger of a trap. So, uh, if, if you love animals um, in a different way than I do, I think animals taste great. But, like, <laughs> You know, just just kind of check out here for a second, right? Like, I grew up trapping. I grew up trapping animals, right? And, like, if you go and you trap a muskrat with a conibear, there's these little triggers that hang down, and as soon as that trigger is hit, boom, that trigger is the definition of offense. When you take hold of offense, there's a trap. There's a trap. 
That's literally, the trigger of the trap is literally what the word offense means. So when you're trapping a mouse, it's the little piece that you put the peanut butter on, you know, or the cheese on. And what happens is the enemy actually will watch our lives. The enemy will watch our lives for opportunities to insert offense or insert wedges into our lives, specifically in close relationships. The the enemy loves to separate people. He loves to separate close friends. He loves to separate families. Proverbs 16, verse 28 says, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. That's what what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. And he came, and he said, "Did, Did God, to Eve, he said, Did God really say, don't? He didn't come out bold and say, like, Hey, you know, God's terrible. He came and said, did God really say, you know, ever, ever, ever heard kind of a little whisper like that about somebody, about a job, about, you know, did God really, are you sure? It's just enough to start to turn your heart, just enough to start to taint. And what happens next is Satan says, God's holding back on you. Don't you know that that if you eat this, you're going to be like him and he doesn't want that to happen. You're not going to need him if you eat this fruit. And so Satan, as he whispers to Eve, he doesn't come out and say God is terrible. He introduces a slight discrediting of God and then a doubt and then deception. And that's how quick it can happen. This is actually what happened. Rick Renner, the Greek scholar and, and, and Bible teacher, makes this obser- observation about Judas. When Judas was offended with Jesus and he turned against him, in John chapter 13, verse 2, it says this. It says, during supper, so this is, is the, kind of the last supper that Jesus is having before he goes to the cross. And it says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas. See, Judas didn't guard his heart. When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Well, we said, well when did that happen? We don't know 100%, but if we go back... And we look in John chapter 12 at the last interaction that Jesus and Judas had. We see when Mary was pouring out the spikenard, when Mary was pouring out the perfume on Jesus' feet in in John chapter 12, verse 4 to 8. It says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Verse 7, but Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. What was the exact moment that Satan put the thought into Judas's heart? Apparently... It was when Judas became offended with Jesus about the spikenard. Perhaps Judas didn't agree with Jesus' decision, or maybe he didn't like the fact that Jesus told him to leave Mary alone. You know, that's kind of a a direct rebuke. Like, in that culture, like, Jesus, you're, like, I'm a man. She's a woman. Right? Like, in that culture, Jesus, you're taking the side of the woman against me. Maybe. Maybe. 
Maybe it was the fact that he was rebuked. Whatever the reason, it was the moment of disagreement that the devil found an open door into Judas's heart. Especially notice the phrase, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. The words put into come from the Greek word balo, which means to throw, to cast, to thrust, or to inject. The word balo carries the, the idea of a very fast action of throwing, thrusting, or injecting something forward, such as throwing a ball or a rock or the forward thrusting of a sharp knife. It is significant that this word is used in this context because it tells us how quickly the devil moved to inject a seed of betrayal into Judas's heart. When the seed of betrayal was injected, it went to so deep that it turned Judas, one of Jesus' closest associates, into a deceiver and a betrayer. Judas became the epitome of a disloyal and unfaithful friend. When Satan finally penetrated Judas's mind and emotions with this seed, this is all still from Rick Renner, with this seed of betrayal, he injected it so hard and fast that it became deeply embedded or lodged in Judas's soul. Isn't that what offense does? When we get offended with somebody, it's like, wham! And it's really hard to dig that seed out because it can become embedded. It can become in, embedded. And from that place, we start to form a belief about that person or about that situation or about that organization. Did you ever, did you ever deal with somebody and like for the life of it, you cannot convince them to see it any other way than the way they see it? Have you ever dealt with somebody like that? A lot of times it's because there's this place of offense where chosen belief about something. Is this, is this good? Y'all are getting real quiet. All right? So when Satan finally penetrated Judas's mind and emotions with the seed of betrayal, he injected it so hard that it became deeply... Inv- John 13, verse 2, could therefore be translated, the devil having thrust into Judas's heart, or the devil having now inserted into, or the devil having now forcibly hurled into Judas's heart, or the devil having now embedded into. See, there's no doubt that the word balo means that the devil quickly seized an opportunity to inject a seed of betrayal into Judas's heart. He was so offended by Jesus that, at, that a window to his heart and emotions opened, and even only for a brief moment, when the devil saw that opening, he moved like lightning to penetrate Judas's mind and emotions in order to sour a long-term relationship and to turn a trusted friend into a betrayer. Judas was used as Satan's instrument because he allowed the enemy to drive a wedge between him and Jesus. Rather than let go of disagreement or forget about it, Judas let, it, let the issue become a big deal in his mind. Now, I know that nobody here has ever allowed an issue to become a big deal in, in your mind, right? Like, it's only just been me. You know, where you go to bed and it's like a little issue. By the time you wake up in the morning after you've laid there for a couple hours and pondered on it, it's like, this person is next to the devil. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> why? That's human nature. It's, it, and it's, it's this thing that happens to us. And it turns us, it can turn us against God, it can turn us against people we love, it can turn us against leaders, it can turn us against our jobs, our business, all that stuff. And the enemy loves to sow those seeds of discord among the brethren. So rather than let it go, let go of the disagreement, Judas allowed it to become a big 
deal in his mind, something so blown out of proportion that the devil was able to use the offense to lure him, to lure him into ultimate act of disloyalty. Because Jesus didn't take his thoughts, oh, sorry, because Judas did not take his thoughts captive, as the Bible tells us to do, the devil succeeded in tainting his view of Jesus, and then led to a, this led to a disastrous effect on Judas' relationship with him. This asks, this causes me to think, like, anyone, I mean, you, you all recognize this activity and that it's true, right? Like, I mean, this is the stuff of life, right? I think that there are times where we are more vulnerable and less vulnerable to this. There's definitely times where we're more vulnerable and less vulnerable. Usually, um, we become more vulnerable when we are kind of thrown out of our rhythm, when maybe, maybe it's a transition that comes, right? Like I think uh, I sat with Larry and Laverne, Sheree and I sat with Larry and Laverne and talking about kind of our history, and I, I realized that, man, we've been in like nine years of transition, like just from one thing to the next, right? Like that's a long time, right? All right? And just, you know, just constant moving. It, it can be during the curves of our life, like we, as people, and especially as men, we do really good on the straightaways. Like when we know what the rules are, when we know what's expected, we can do really good on the straightaways. But then like when, when a, a curve comes in racing, it's the curves that really wind up. That's where most accidents happen is in the curves, in the changes where we're, 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 we're going through life. And so uh, that's, that's when crashes can happen. And a lot of times it's from when we're going from one season to the next. Maybe it's from high school to college or from one house to another house or from being single to being married or, or from having no children to having little ones at home or from having little ones to having teens. All these are seasons, right? Like all this, it, like sometimes the rules feel like they changed, right? All right. From, from one career to the next. Whether it be an upgrade or maybe we feel like it's a downgrade. From children at home to children moving out, the empty nest. It's a, che a season change. From parents to with children at home to becoming grandparents. From working full time to retiring. Man, that one hits hard a lot for a lot of people sometimes. It's just things change. A season of having a healthy body, body to a season of battling through seasons of difficult health challenges. Seasons of helping parents who require more care. Seasons of loss. Seasons of triumph. The seasons of midlife experience or the, the natural changes of life. Walking through seasons of individuation. Either yourself or helping your children walk through seasons of individuation. I remember one time... We were, we were dealing with, with a challenge um, of someone who was very close to us, and we were actually sitting with a counselor, and they said, you know what's going on here? This, this, isn't, this isn't like a heart problem. This is actually just a natural process of individuation where as children, you're making different decisions than your parents made, and that can be, that can be challenging in life. Sometimes, when you start to realize, that's not me, this is me. And in, in different aspects of life, in psychology, it happens like when a, when a little child is two and they're like, no, 
right? Like there's this place of like, I'm different than you. It happens when you're like 13, right? When you're like, hey, I, I have some opinions. Like I, I've got some, you know, and, and then you, you, you get married and, and there's a little different, it's, it's all part of like the whole self-discovery process of psychology and all that kind of thing. And I'm not here preaching psychology, but it, it is true, like in the sense that when you grow, you finally come to places that you believe about yourself. Like, oh, this is actually what I think. This is actually what I believe. And it's all part of that process. And it also impacts the way uh, we go into later seasons of life that we encounter. So, and all of these are like curves. All of these are challenges. And it's important. I want to stand here today and, be, and, and say this. It's important that you guard your heart against offense in the curves in the seasons of change. Take an active stance of guarding our hearts. The enemy seems to increase his attack in our lives when seasons are changing. It just goes, it's just that, that it, the enemy doesn't play fair. He's not going to wait till you're like empowered, filled up, refreshed, and, and going, you know, going for it with the glory of God. He's going he's gonna to wait till you're tired, weary, worn out, frustrated, Right? And then he's going to try and pile it on. He's going to try and use that, that quick, ah, injection. And so we need to know this about the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. Amen? Because we want every person in Newport Church to be successful in life, in relationships, in business, in finances, right? Come on. All right? Amen. So when the enemy increases his, his attack... When we're most vulnerable, it's good to know these things, that in times of spiritual warfare around our lives, the battle in the mind can become quite intense. And you know that the battle's going on when you wind up having conversations with people in your head that aren't actually in the room. Nobody else ever does that, right? Like, like you have this, this inner dialogue that's happening, and I'm here today to say, hey, you got to watch your inner dialogue. you got to watch your inner dialogue. Is it... Is it the dialogue of God or is it the dialogue of offense? Where does it lead you? Sometimes you just got to be like, no, I refuse to believe that about my wife or about my husband or about my boss or about my child. I refuse to believe that because that's not part of what God's heart is for them. And that's when you become powerful in your emotions, in your heart to be able to say, no, no, I'm not falling for this this time. I'm not falling for this this time. And that's actually an act of spiritual warfare. Uh, uh, Sheree and I had a spiritual mom uh, who's since then gone on to be with the Lord. She was also an intercessor who would tell us that it was really important to make an intentional spiritual statement about when you're entering a new season. So when you feel like you're entering a new season, it's really important to make an intentional statement. Now, it's not just a verbal statement, but like do something intentionally to, to make a statement. Whether it's a new birthday decade, like going into the 40s or the 50s or the 60s or whatever, or maybe it's, you know, uh, moving from like a new, into a new job or into a new house or something like that. Make a statement by doing something intentional and spiritually powerful, like starting a new season by attending a powerful conference or sowing a significant gift, or serving God in a special way, or going on a missions trip, 
making a, a statement to yourself, to God, and to the spirit world, this is how I'm entering this season. And this defines the posture of my heart in this season. This defines the posture of my heart for this decade. I intentionally, prayerfully choose to embrace God's word over this. And I act upon it by doing something to make a statement. It's really important because what happens is if we, when we don't do that, when we don't, uh, we talked about the mile, mile marker of, of, of the bathrooms being done. When we, don't, when we don't put mile markers in our life, we can float and the next thing we know, we hit a curve and we all, we've all seen it, you know, we hit a curve and all of a sudden we're just not in church anymore. We're just not following the Lord. The passion for the Lord's just gone. And we're not here to point fingers, but what ha- that can happen when, we're, when we don't recognize a curve coming, a change of life coming. And so as your pastor, I want, I want us to be aware of these things and be, be intentional about sowing into our own season, saying this, this is how I'm entering this season and this is how I am posturing my heart. I, I don't know about you, but even for this sabbatical, like I have already determined how I am coming out of this sabbatical. We'll see if we can make that change in three months, right? Like, in, but in that sense of just saying, no, there's some things that I, I want to shift personally, right? So start each season with a spiritual statement of how you intend to live in that coming season. Initiate healthy rhythms in your life. Work, worship, rest, play. That word about play. Woohoo! Yes, amen. Right? Work, worship, rest, play. The, the rhythms of life. Too many times people go blindly into a curve of a changing season and they get taken out. And you don't see them in church anymore. And, and it's not just about being in church. You, you don't see the passion in life anymore. They just kind of wind up being apathetic and just kind of... And, they, and what happens, it can take, that, that's, not, that's not a final resting place. It can just take a long time to kind of get the steam back because a curve took away their steam, all right? Let's not, uh, let's not let this be said about anyone in Newport Church in future seasons, amen? So like Jesus said, offenses will come, but it's up to you if they stay. Offenses will come, but it's up to you if they stay. Like, yeah, there, there are going to be times where you have a misunderstanding, right? And you got to get to the bottom of it and all that, and you got to work through the emotions of that. But it's up to you if offense stays in your heart. It's up to you. And that's why the Bible here tells us in Proverbs to guard our heart. Guard your heart. Be very aware of what the enemy tries to get you to believe about another person. Especially with people who are the closest to you. Sometimes in our upbringing, we actually can wind up isolating the people who are closest to us. We're actually dealing with a situation not in this nation uh, like this where, where someone is, is, is so wonderful to an absolute stranger, but to the people that are, that are the closest to them in their life, they're the most vicious and vile. And that, that, that's, that can be an act of human nature especially when we've been wounded in our own life. And so um, guard your heart. Be very aware of what the enemy tries to get you to believe about people, especially people who are closest to you, people who are called to walk with you and to be a source of strength with you in the season to come.
or in the season that you're in. Do not give the enemy a foothold. Tell your neighbor, say, don't give the enemy a foothold. Foothold. Beware of the inner dialogue. Now, this is what you do. So we talked about this a whole lot. This is what you do. This is the solution. You choose grace. You intentionally choose grace. You intentionally choose forgiveness. You intentionally choose mercy. Intentionally choose honor. Because guess what? Each one of us are also going to need somebody to choose, intentionally choose grace, mercy, forgiveness, and honor for us. Amen? Amen? Yes. All right? And this is why, the, this is why what God, what the word that God has given us about forgiveness and, and about praying for one another and carrying one another and encouraging one another is so powerful because it disarms one of the enemy's most potent weapons against our life, which is the spirit of offense, the trap that triggers us in, in, to, into getting us stuck. So choose grace. Tell your neighbor, say, choose grace. Choose. Come on, preach with me here this morning. Tell them, choose mercy. Choose forgiveness. Choose honor. Amen. All right. That's right. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It is the glory of mankind to overlook an offense. Amen? Amen. So last week, uh, as we ended our service with testimonies of what God has been doing in people's lives, you know, I, I want to kind of, I feel like the Lord's not done there yet. I feel like the Lord wants to continue to do these things. And especially even this morning, as you've heard me speak, and you recognize I have a problem with, with really easily and quickly believing the lie of the enemy about somebody or about a situation, or about, and, and, and maybe there are legitimate things, but there is the, the, the choice to forgive, the choice to choose grace, the choice to move past a place of being offended into a place of choosing honor. And so if, 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 you're, if you recognize this in your heart, if you recognize this in your life, God wants us to live free because this is what causes life to spring forth. And he doesn't want the life of our heart to be squelched, crushed, or impeded. He wants our life to live free and victorious from our hearts as he has placed things in our life, as he's given us our, our heart. That's where our heart needs to come into alignment with his heart. Amen? And so uh, I don't know what you believe about the season that you're walking in, the season that you're walking to, through, or the season that you're walking towards. But I think it's really important to just get before the Lord. Say, God, what is your thoughts about this? God knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us. They're thoughts to give us a hope, give us a future. Amen? He knows those things. And, and that was written to, to people who were going through a really hard season. How much more is it written to us? in whatever season we might be walking in. And maybe you can recognize, oh, you know, the, this, these change of life seasons that are happening, the empty nest season, the, the getting older season, the, the shifting, you know, from high school to university or getting a new job or like whatever season you're in, this is a place of, this is a place of recognizing and coming before God and saying, God, what do you believe about the season I'm in and about the season I'm going towards? So Revelation chapter 19, verse 10 
talks about, you know, the Apostle John, and he's having this revelatory encounter with God. And at the very end of it, it says, worship God for, this, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when you look at the root words of testimony in the Hebrew, it means to do it again. One of the root words for testimony means to do it again. So in other words, when you, when you hear a testimony about what God has done, it gives faith, it stirs faith for God to do it again, right? For God to say, Lord, what you did in that person's life, do it in me. What you've done for that person, do it for me. God, I come, and it stirs faith for that. One of the, and so uh, when a testimony of God is, is being given, it stirs our faith for him to do it again. And as we speak that, because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the rhema of God, hearing by the word of God, that word is rhema. Now, you know, that word logos and rhema is not always as distinct as sometimes people make it to be, especially as preachers make it to be. But there's this place of, it's, it's like the applied logos, the applied word of God to a situation where God brings his eternal word and applies it to our life. Anyone ever experienced that? In a moment where God applies a word to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's rhema. It's life. It's, there's this place of that happening. And so what happens is when we hear testimony, our faith is stirred and we have a heart to receive what God applied to somebody else's life, applied to our life. And our faith is stirred up in that. That's why it's important to hear what God is doing right now because it builds our faith. It builds our expectancy to say, yes, God, do it again. Amen? Worship team, can you come and can we stand together? Last week, uh, there were testimonies of, of God setting people free from anxiety, from fear, from self-hatred, from fear of man, from suicidal thoughts, and being set free from abusive relationships and the pain of divorce, being set free from addictions to pornography, being set free from physical pain. Prayer ministers, if you want to come forward this morning, you can as well. We just want to take some time here. I'm sure that there's things that were mentioned that I'm missing, and, and it, it really, you know, uh, but w what we want to t do is, is we want to take some time here and just listen to the Lord. What is the inner dialogue of your heart? What is the inner dialogue of your heart? If you're here and you have a testimony, you, you can be free to share that uh, in a second here. But because in the testimonies that are shared, there is an open door for us to also experience God, for us to also have faith for God to move on our behalf. If you're here and you're struggling in any of the areas that we've talked about this morning or any of the areas that were talked about last week, of God setting people free. I wish to, if I would be able to go do that again, I think we would take a, more time and, and actually minister like as one person would share a testimony and be like, hey, if you're here and you deal with this, like this testimony is to give you courage, to give you faith that God wants to touch and move in your life and in your circumstances as well. 
and actually minister out of that. And I, I want to I wanna encourage us to kind of have that framework that as testimonies are shared, it, it may be, it, it doesn't always, but it may be that God wants to do, a, uh, to, to do a work in that area. And so if there's areas in your life that you recognize, God, I, I, I need to have a positive outlook in my heart. Or I need to have a positive outlook towards this person. I recognize I've been offended, or, or maybe, maybe you recognize you've been a tool of offense, of bringing you know, division or strife or hardship between relationships. It's, let's just go before the Lord and ask him to purify, ask him to do a deep work. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God sent his son God so loved the world that he sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me. In his death and resurrection, he paid the price that we could not pay in order to let us go free. Jesus also said that's how we're supposed to give other pe- forgive other people because we've been forgiven much. So there's not one person that can say, oh, I, don't have the, I don't need to forgive how we, we all can forgive because we've been forgiven of so much. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word of truth, your word of life that empowers our heart to believe your truth and your perspective. Father, we repent from negativity. God, I repent from negativity. Lord, I thank you, Father, for hope for life restored, from joy restored. In Jesus' name. I feel like the Lord is dealing with self-condemnation here this morning, where you've condemned yourself. God just wants you to know that you're free. God just wants you to know that you're free this morning. Someone been racked in pain, like emotional pain, that's become a bondage, scar, like emotional scar tissue, just you know, bound up in pain. The Lord wants to free you here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe there's a belief that like I can never get close. I, I never have close relationships feel like the Lord wants to deal with that this morning. God wants to reset some expectations and hearts. For someone, I think the lie of I've been broken beyond repair. I've just experienced too much and it's, it's, it's too much. I can never go back. I believe the Lord wants you to know that that's a lie of the enemy sent to hold you in bondage and to keep you from experiencing the true life that God has for you that you can have today. I hear the argument, but pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. And you're right, I don't. You're right, I don't. But God does. And he has forgiven you.
It's time to choose grace, choose forgiveness, choose mercy, and choose honor. If you're here this morning and that prophetic word that came about marriages being healed, I believe it starts with this. I believe it starts with this. It would be good for you to individually, if you're here with your spouse, just spend time with the Lord and then come together and say, forgive me because I've done this or I've said this or I believed this and today I choose you again. I choose to honor. I choose to start a new page. Maybe for some of you, it's time to do a statement, a prophetic statement of how you're going to walk into the next season. Ask the Lord what that would be. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, God. We thank you for what you're doing here this morning. We thank you that you go deep. You go deep, God. And yet you're so gentle, but you're so clear. So Father, we open our hearts to you today. I ask that you would heal past hurts that you would heal wounds from parents or grandparents or even just wounds of the lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name. Father, we choose to bless. Oh, we're not there yet. Thanks for listening today. We would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.